Walter Balvin, Brass, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraph Studio. My guest on this edition of Fangraph Studio is not only an alumnus, both of Baseball Prospectus and Sports Illustrated, he's also a progenitor of JAWS, the Jaffe War Score System designed to measure Hall of Fame worthiness. It is Jay Jaffe, senior writer at Fangraphs.com, Jay Jaffe. Jay Jaffe is the guest, and in case I didn't mention it, Jay Jaffe is the guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Uh, that same Jay Jaffe recently eulogized late Hall of Famer Willie McCovey in the Electronic Pages. And while that piece uh, certainly merits further consideration on its own, uh, it's a mere few sentences from that post that facilitate the conversation to follow. Those few sentences concern a moment from Jaffe's childhood when he's able to procure Willie McCovey's autograph uh, at a baseball field of some sort. can't recall uh, Jaffe's description of it. A baseball field of some sort. It's a memory that stuck out for Jay Jaffe. What that does, uh, what that one brief anecdote does is, uh, as I say, facilitates this conversation about getting autographs in general and the uh, these strange memories uh, that we uh, are sometimes appended to those attempts to get autographs. Uh, Jay Jaffe recounts an awkward moment when he attempted to and eventually was successful in getting Vin Scully's autograph. Uh, I have my own uh, moment that I share with Jaffe, getting Bruce Hurst's autograph at some manner of Mormon temple. Uh, and there are others like it was to follow. And as I say, uh, this uh, this forms the bulk of what's to f- of the conversation to follow. Uh, <clears throat> that's not it, though. Uh, what else happens here is uh, Jaffe is notable for his thoughts on the Hall of Fame. He provides a calendar of notable dates for Hall of Fame season, um, including the today's game ballot, uh, and then the actual uh, writer vote that's to follow. And uh, having nothing whatsoever to do with Hall of Fame voting, but everything to do with the winter meetings, we discuss uh, briefly, but uh, significantly, we discuss shark tunnels. Apparently, uh, at the Mandalay Bay, where this year's winter meetings are held, a shark tunnel is an appropriate feature, a prominent feature. Uh, finally, uh, we find well, this is a, this is a discouraging uh, moment. Um, uh, Jaffe recently, Jay Jaffe recently walked into the office of CEO David Appleman uh, while the latter was listening to to an episode of Fangraphs Audio, and it, it seems what Jaffe saw there was distressing. He could not have been more. He could not have been more bored. Hard times. Hard times relayed there to. Uh, to us by Jay Jaffe. Uh, we'll get to uh, a conversation with Jaffe in a moment, but first, it is both my privilege and also my professional obligation to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist for reasonable sum. Readers of Fangraphs.com can support the great work that appears in those electronic pages, and for a slightly less reasonable sum, not unreasonable, but slightly less reasonable, those same readers can acquire what is known as an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, not only facilitating faster loading speeds, I'm told, but also liberating one from the tyranny and distortive effects of advertising. Fangraphs membership and ad-free membership available only at Fangraphs.com. The URL, www.fangraphs.com. Going there and finding the appropriate link. It's uh, there It's there for everyone to see. Okay, what else, uh, what else is uh, here for everyone to see is a conversation. What is it? It's a uh, Fangraphs. How do you, who does it feature? Senior writer for Fangraphs.com, Jay Jaffe. And when does it begin? Right now. You want gray? Are you are you inviting gray area, Jay Jaffe? I just I see gray all over the place. <laughs> I don't see I, you know. 
There, there are only there are only a handful of absolutes in baseball, and and that's that's not one of them. No, you wrote today about uh, Willie McCovey, who uh, recently passed, and um, it seems to be, and I I have to defer to you on this because uh, you know your history that he at some level. Uh, he was a bit of a bridge between a kind of golden era of baseball and then um, the, in the 1980s, <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> which were, I don't know if that's a golden, it might might be somebody's golden era. Yeah. I, I mean, he was a, he was a bridge for me at least. Um, you know, when I, when I reflected, you know, I saw a lot of, you know, future hall of famers when I was growing up who were kind of at the tail ends of their careers. Uh, I, I started, you know, watching baseball, you know, in the late 70s, 77, 78 is really the first season where I'm actually aware of what's going on and I know how to read a box score and, and I'm collecting baseball cards and, and uh, you know, I'm following the standings. And, you know, there were uh, just a whole bunch of guys who were at the tail ends of their careers who were on their way to the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, all those 300 game winners, uh, eventually guys like uh, Phil Necro, Steve Carlton, Nolan Ryan, many of whom still had a lot of great years left. And one who was really kind of on his last very good year was Willie McCovey. And it was really... I, I think uh, when I stopped to consider in the you know with regards to the news of his death, I really started to realize just how 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 much he stood out. I mean, he was, you know, as I point out in the in the the piece of the tribute I wrote today, uh, he was the only player to reach the 500 home run plateau between Frank Robinson in 1971 and Reggie Jackson in 1984. You know, now it seems like we're getting one every couple of years. Uh, the the 500 home run club has pretty much doubled in size, you know, in that span. He, where where McCovey was eighth all time in homers when he retired at 521, he's now 20th. You know, so we've we've seen a lot of long balls, and but uh, what just really stood out upon reflection was just, you know, that he was home run, you know, power hitting royalty, and and uh, not quite a bridge back to the uh, to the New York Giants era, although he was signed when the franchise was still in New York, but he didn't debut until 1959. But still, a player who debuted in the 1950s, you know, even in 1978, I understood that to be a long career. And uh, as I showed with the the snapshot of the back of his 1978 Topps card, it looks very different than uh, the other cards. This yeah. set. They've, they've gone very small with the type. And, uh, you know, you, gotta, you really got to squint at it, especially if you're now uh, my age and using uh, progressive lenses for glasses. 19, let's see. I'm trying to. I'm trying to feel. I'm trying to. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to understand my brain. 1950. 1950. This. This can't be. This cannot be a thought. A real thing that I feel. But I think I do. 1950 seems as far back in history now, like to me, sitting here in 2018, as it did in like when I was in the 80s. Like, purport. Like the 50s seem. I guess probably like my father was born in the 50s. Right. So it's like always been. It's always been the same thing to me. That can't be right. But um, yeah, it's, that's not right. I mean, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, I'd like look when when you know thinking about like okay, the distance from Willie Ma- the start of Willie Mays's career to the point where I'm turning over this baseball card is uh, uh, is is 19 years. Mm-hmm. To go back to 19 years ago, now uh, you're at 1999. You're right. Uh, you know, it's a 40 40 years have passed, and and so. I mean, that's not the way to think of it. But our, just, but there, I was thinking about it this way too. Like, if if you are alive to witness something, then the proximity. I mean, this is this does not require genius. It does not require genius to think this, but it does <laughs> take a fool to say it out loud. A thing feels so much more real. And allow me to convey the point by means of tragedy. Right? 
I think that what after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, there was a lot of calls to never never forget, right? Right. And I I have to think that in terms of cultural significance and impact, it was very similar. It was the, the like the version in the 1940s of the of uh, the like the the bombing of the World Trade Center. But for me, as someone who experienced one and not the other, like Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor, like it just has no emotional resonance. I, I understand, like intellectually, it was a horrible thing for a lot of people, but you don't have control over how much emotional resonance something has with you. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's difficult, uh, you know, to to like it can be an abstract thing if you don't have those direct connections. I mean, I know. I have, you know, known people who who were, you know, connected to to Pearl Harbor. My my uh, my ex father in law from my first marriage was on uh, the USS Arizona, for example, and I guess was taking a cigarette break, and somehow that uh, that fateful choice actually spared him when most of his peers, uh, uh, you know, died uh, or you know stuff like that. Or you know, yeah, that's like a that would be one of the most macabre advertisements for cigarettes. Yeah, pretty much. That's one way. That's one way to put it. Right. So okay. So let's. So this is all. This is a conversation about Willie McCovey. <laughs> we no, but it's required. It's required a, a bit of a digression to begin to explore the idea of uh, the emotional resonance of having been there. Do you feel like, or to what degree do you feel like you were there for Willie McCovey? Well, you know, I think it's, you know, I'm sure I only probably watched him play a handful of times on television. I never got to see him. Uh, in person, because uh, I grew up in Salt Lake City, far away from a major league ballpark. But I did, as it as it happens, get his autograph when he was serving as a spring instructor for the Giants in 1986. You know, and I think by that point, I'd actually gotten Willie Mays' autograph when he had come through Salt Lake City, being standing around, being very bored, signing autographs uh, at a a food expo, which was a a pretty hollow experience in 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 in, in my. Uh, uh, you know, as that as those things go, and McCovey, who was in uniform on a field, or uh, you know, and uh, you know, reaching over a dugout was was a different experience, and because he was so, you know, pleasant and and you know, and and it seemed like, hey, I'll do this all day. I don't have. Do you, do you, you think know. that's the ideal way in which to receive an autograph? I mean, I think it, it, it's it's a much more pleasant way. I, I think obviously, I think being at a ballpark around somebody who is signing prepared to sign autographs is probably the ideal. I I've done it, you know, I've stood in line at card shows and things like that and that always feels very artificial especially when you have to pay money to do it. Yeah. You know, leaning over a dugout to, you know, to hand your program or your scorecard or whatever, your baseball card over I think is a different thing. My best autograph experience though was kind of an awkward one and that's uh freshman year of college my family convened this was when i was going to school at, at brown university in providence and you know my, my parents and brother were two thousand miles away in salt lake city uh, my family convened in uh, orlando florida and we went to i think it was like three or four dodger spring training games uh uh, while we were there, and keep in mind, this is the this is the spring after they had won the World Series. Now, is this Dodger Town? Is that what this Dodger was? Town? Yes, yeah, this okay, is, yeah. this was one of my two trips to Dodger Town. And uh, one day, pregame, I'm I'm walking around, and uh, suddenly I spot Vin Scully, and I'm like, I don't have a pen on me. I don't. And I, and for some reason, I came up with. My mom, I was able to, like, I asked Vince Coy to wait a second while I grabbed, while I got a pen and a paper, and he did. Um, he stood, <laughs> in, this is pregame, he's got work to do, but he stood in one spot for like two minutes, and I'd fetched, 
you know, appropriate. I think I, I honestly, I think it was like my dad's golf scorecard from that day or something ridiculous like that. But Vin signed it and I kept it. Uh, and I eventually lost it at some point during college. I have no idea where it is. I'm hoping that eventually someday it turns up in like an old filing cabinet or something like that. But I don't really have much hope of that. But he was very polite about it. And uh, uh, as awkward as it was, he he was willing to wait for me. And I've always uh, uh, taken that as uh, just, you know, one more small bit of evidence of no, wait, uh, did you testifying have to... to the character of Vince Scully. When you said, could you hold on a minute? Did you leave his field of vision? Did you have to leave his field I, of vision? I think he probably could see where I, that I, okay. you know, that I think maybe my mom was, was like heading into the bathroom and I caught her before that. I don't remember the specifics, but we were, you know, uh, in uh, the, uh, I guess, Holman Park, whatever, whatever the Dodger Town uh, mm-hmm. uh, ballpark was called. I think it was Holman. But uh, yeah, no, he, I think he could see me. I'm pretty sure he could see me. What do you think would have been. From his point of view, he was trusting you. He was trusting yeah. that this would get good done because he now he had on his mind immediately, or you because you placed a burden in his lap, which is if he walks away, then he's abandoning a child who's attempting to get. Well, I wasn't a child. I mean, I was eighteen. Oh, years that's old right, you were eighteen. I, I was nineteen at the time. I mean, I wasn't a child. I convict and, you for a crime, and he could have he could have easily refused the request, but he did not. How long would you wait around for a kid to retrieve the necessary instruments? I'd, I'd give him three to five minutes, depending on. Uh, what else was going on? How big a rush I was in? But I'd, I'd, if 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 somebody legitimately wanted my autograph, I would, uh, I would try to hold on for a few minutes. All right. So we have uh, we have McCovey, Mays, Scully. You mentioned you said Mays. That was uh, less than inspiring. Yeah, it was just you know at the um, convention center uh, that was within the the old Salt Palace in Salt Lake City, which is where uh, uh, the Utah Jazz uh, originally played when they came to town, and and uh, the minor league hockey team there, and uh, uh, they had a separate giant concrete bunker of a room and and you know it's it's an expo you know with booths and everything and Mays is standing in line and there's you know dozens and dozens of kids and adults in line with crap to sign and you know I don't even think he looked I don't I don't even think he was looking people in the eye when he was signing it's just like yeah you know <laughs> he could not was, have been more he could not have been more bored I I sensed that even at age 10 would, would you mind if I sh- shared a story that might be presumptuous of me but an oh, autograph story with you sure yeah, well, I I have a couple uh, that I think that might have some appeal. I can't guarantee, but uh, of course we know you're from Salt Lake City. This is this actually is tangentially related to to your um, hometown. Is uh, shortly after the Red Sox r- playoff run in 1986, the World Series appearance in, in mm-hmm. 1986, uh, Bruce Hurst. Oh yeah, left-hander at that time for the Red Sox. He made an appearance along with a member, an anonymous member of the Patriots. At the whatever anonymous. the, <laughs> I mean, I guess he maybe he wasn't that anonymous, but given the the interest of the crowds, he relatively anonymous compared to Bruce Hurst. <laughs> they both appeared. Now I didn't understand what any of this was at the time because I couldn't have been. I guess I was seven, maybe six, seven. Mm-hmm. No, I was I was six. That's exactly how old I was. My dad brought us to essentially, I guess, what was a kind of a Church of the Latter Day Saints sales pitch. Okay. At a, at a local. You know, at whatever the local Mormon house of worship is in Concord, right. New Hampshire. The Mor- right, okay. And it's not huge. I mean, this is not, um, you know, this is not Mo- the Mormon heartland, you know. No. I mean, there, <laughs> there are Mormon people there, but not to the degree you'd find out west frequently. But it was packed. <laughs> and and one realized why it was packed. I mean, Bruce Hurst was there. And then right. afterwards, everyone essentially, 
I don't know. I don't know if this is in keeping with the best traditions of the LDS community, <laughs> but everyone everyone crowded and rushed the stage like a Who concert oh, geez. Uh, to to try and get Bruce Hurst's autograph, and uh, we just had a gross <laughs> an old gross ball, and uh, I think we were the last people. My dad was just uh, now I love my dad, but he was just pushy and obnoxious enough to get into Bruce Hurst's hands uh, before he had to he had to go. That's wow. a weird looking back on it, that's a weird thing to do though, is it? We were Catholic people. Yeah, that is that is very crossing religious crossing religious lines to uh to get uh <laughs> to get an autograph. And during yeah, enduring enduring a a, a enduring a, a what was uh, I guess, you know, a missionary pitch basically. <laughs> well, you know, it's the thing looking back on it, my dad also did that quite a bit for timeshares. <laughs> where you know, you sit through a speech and then you get and then you get four tickets to Disney. Yeah. So for him, I mean, you know, I think for a lot of people, uh, a missionary pitch is very similar to being, a, you know, to having a timeshare sold to you. I guess Except so. it's a spiritual timeshare, isn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, spiritual timeshare. My dad actually, <laughs> my dad actually obtained one autograph on my behalf, and this was this is again, this is maybe a little dicey. My dad was a pediatrician. Oh, hey, hey, the more the more suspicious, the better. Yeah, this is this is this. Is, <laughs> I think you know, I like to think he probably would have had a good enough read on the situation not to be, uh, not to have crossed any lines, but. He was a physician at a, uh, a you know a, radi- a radiologist at a uh, pediatric hospital, Primary mm-hmm. Children's Medical Center, for the last. No, wait, just to confirm. Now, a radiologist is someone who studies the uh, the history of radios, right? You you no. verified that in your last no. time. No, 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 no. X rays and X rays and medical imaging. Back to Marconi, all the way up to the present. No, no, no? okay, no, no. All right, you have your way. <sighs> X rays and X rays and CT scans and MRI scans and I, I don't think he was probably doing MRIs at this point, but he was he was um, he was treating the I think it was a son, but maybe it was a daughter of a major league baseball pitcher for the Blue Jays named Jerry Garvin, whose uh, young child uh, needed uh, uh, some kind of some kind of treatment, and I think it, I don't know if it was emergency treatment or if it was for something chronic or or, or what exactly was going on. <laughs> but you know, I mean, and it wasn't, it, and it wasn't like an immediate thing either. It was like, oh, you know, do you have a like? He came home, he came home one day. says like, oh, do you have a Jerry Garvin baseball card? Uh, I'm, you know, I performed a procedure on his son or daughter, um, and I was like, yes, I do. And I gave him my tops, 1978, same set as this McCovey card that I've. Uh, uh, thrown into this piece here, uh, and uh, he, uh, you know, a couple of days later, I got it. I, I got it back. It was signed, and uh, it was very nice. And uh, hopefully, it all worked out for for young, young, uh, young Garvin <laughs> the, child, the, um, the younger Garvin, the, the, the Gar, the Garvin, Garvin the younger. <laughs> yeah, right. It uh, it sounds like right. You're absolutely right. It sounded like maybe it was a. There were multiple days of treatment, or he anticipated. Yeah, he knew. It, like it wasn't like I mean, obviously, hopefully, it wasn't a uh, a life or death situation because that would have been pretty ghastly to uh, uh, right. to be pestering somebody for an autograph in in, uh, uh, in the dark hour of. of, of it's of not. That. It's not like um, like if you were the undertaker for the uh, the burial of uh, Abraham Lincoln's third son Willie. Yeah, and, you know uh, what. And actually, at the service, you asked for President Lincoln's autograph. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would be. Uh, that would not. That would not be. I have uh, another one. This is. Um, this is actually to your point. Now, didn't you say that your dad was like, "Oh, you should get that autograph"? I forget if there was someone. Hmm. 
So there was someone you had said that about. Let's see. But um, I mean, it was my dad who who suggested I give him a Jerry Garvin card to to get autographed. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you know who Jerry Garvin was? Yeah, I mean, you know, I knew who every player was because I had I was a voracious baseball card collector, and uh, you know, it was. Uh, I mean, Garvin was just a journeyman pitcher with the Blue Jays, and at a time when they were still referred to as the expansion Blue Jays. You know, so he was, he was, uh, you know, I knew the names I, because I, because I lived and breathed those baseball cards. He actually had a really interesting relief season in 1980. He, uh, threw 82 innings and 61 appearances. So that's, uh, that's quite a few multi-inning appearances. Yeah. And he recorded, well, by uh, a FIP-based war, he recorded just over one win, but by the runs allowed version, he was, he was worth three wins as a reliever. That's huh, a really wow. strong relief. Here, he yeah. was really yeah, what I, I what I have learned here in, in uh, uh, googling him in the background of this conversation. He, he yeah. one, in one season he picked off twenty three guys, which was a record. This Jerry Garvin's an interesting character. Yeah. yeah. Now, but do you know if his son did his son, did his son happen happen to pass I, away? I and... have not. I have not figured out whether uh, uh, the, the health the health of his child. But uh, yeah, um, that's good. Um, one time. <laughs> my dad, my, uh, let's see, my dad or his parents lived, uh, this is like two decades ago now, his parents live in Weston, Massachusetts, uh, a suburb of Boston, and mm-hmm. we happened to be in a neighboring town to pick up pizza at the Wellesley House of Pizza. Oh. And uh, there was a giant black man in the Wellesley House of Pizza, and uh, this is not something one frequently sees <laughs> in the suburbs of Boston for a number of reasons. Or if you do, it is usually a member of or ex-member of the Celtics, as this was. This was ML Carr. Oh, okay, was like, yeah. Was he waving a towel? Like, <laughs> well, that seemed, no. Because that seemed to be ML Carr's job on the, on, the, on, the, on the Celtics bench was to wave, that, wave his towel. It's an important role. He was, uh, he was, you know what? Luke Walton learned everything from him. Yeah. Uh, no, I he uh, I was like I didn't know who ML Carr was. I was only eight years old. Okay, and uh, ML Carr had stopped playing. I think probably before I was born at that point. And uh, he was like, "You need to get his autograph." Huh. I went up to him. I was like, "Hi, I'm a tiny boy. Can I can I have your autograph?" Yeah. And he was like, "Sure." And there you go. Yeah, and my father bullied me into getting ML Carr. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these stories they're really about my father trying to get me to get someone's autograph. Yeah, got to I got to talk about that. Well, I think you got at some point. You know, you you. you you're obviously he's the one who understands, you know, and this is my father and, you know, I was pointing you in the right direction of, of, of who to get at autographs. Another one occurs to me is, uh, so we were, uh, we went to, when I started going to baseball games in Salt Lake City, they were the farm team of the uh, Angels, the AAA team of the Angels, but uh, they still are. They well, they switched affiliations uh, oh, okay. to the Mariners. Uh, and one day uh, the Mariners, when they were a very crappy uh, big league club, uh, also probably still referred to as an expansion club, uh, yeah. came through and played an exhibition game against the Triple A team. And I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think the Triple A team might have won. But I do have an autographed ball uh, that has dozens of uh, of players, and the one that my dad my dad pointed to uh, and said, "Be sure to get his autograph." And it was Veda Pinson, uh, who that was then uh, a coach. Uh, and still, you know, looked quite, quite uh, like fit enough to play. And mm-hmm. uh, my dad had obviously, obviously been very impressed by Veda Pinson in his day. And uh, so I have, and I actually did retrieve this ball a few years ago. And I know uh, that it's uh, still sitting around. I know exactly where that is, as opposed to the Scully autograph, which is probably uh, uh, long gone. And the uh, McCovey autograph, which is probably just somewhere here in my uh, uh, Brooklyn apartment, uh, uh, within a stack of magazines. 
is there someone who as this has unwittingly become a conversation about autographs is there someone who as an adult whose autograph would be important to you i i ideally for the sake of the conversation, it would be a sporting figure. Although you can you can name someone else, I guess. Uh, you know, I've I've obtained a few autographs over the years. I generally don't ask for them myself, but like my mm-hmm. brother sent me a couple. He because uh, in his job, he's come into contact with like a couple of years ago. He sent me an autograph baseball, uh, a Steve Garvey autographed baseball, and I think mm-hmm. a, a Jose Canseco autographed card. Just a pretty random uh, pairing there. Um, and I've bought, I've bought a couple autograph balls. I've got, you know, I, I stood in line. I think I got Raleigh Fingers and Brooks Robinson when I was at the 2002, uh, All-Star game in Milwaukee. Uh, this is again with the, uh, uh, related to my first marriage, although preceding it. And, uh, I don't know. It would be very cool for, I think the one, like I've got, I've got a, an autograph baseball with Jim Bouton, but I bought that at a, at a card show or something like that. You know, ball four being a, a just a, a formative experience. I thought it'd be cool to have that, but, uh, I guess the one that would really impress me would be Fernando Valenzuela, who was, you know, what, one of, one of my, one of my all time favorites, uh, growing up and, and a big deal in, in my, in my baseball fandom. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the 1981 Dodgers, uh, being my first experience of rooting for a team that won a championship. So that would, that would be a big deal to me, I think. I one time I was with Mike Bates, Michael Bates of the internet. Yep. And I went to Twins Fest uh, with, with him one year when I was living in the Midwest. And uh, J.R. Rich, for reasons actually, it doesn't do not make sense in retrospect. Uh, but I was so uh, taken, I was so moved at the time by the the sight that I didn't even really stop to think about it. Uh, but J.R. Richard was there. Oh wow! Yeah, the the great Astro. I mean, I say great Astros pitcher. He was not great in terms of uh, longevity, but. He had a couple of, I think, what you could accurately characterize as transcendent seasons. Oh God, yes, he was. He was. Yeah. A, he was a hell of a pitcher. And I had, I had to kind of just become aware of him as a towering. Um, I mean, he was literally towering. He was like six foot eight, I think. Um, yeah. But I had become a sort of aware of him as this towering figure in in baseball, and also uh, for what had occurred after. Because I think, like, I think just like a couple of years after. He was out of baseball cause from our trouble. Like he, he was, uh, he was homeless. He had, yeah, he had, uh, I think a stroke and I think undiagnosed thoracic outlet syndrome. And, you know, I think people wrongly assumed his, his problems were drug related. Um, yeah. and it was he all, felt, I think we could say that, uh, he fell onto hard times or yeah. the hard times, uh, fell the onto hard, him. The hard, times, anyway. the hard times fell onto him. Yeah. Fell onto him. Yeah. Uh, but I, I met him there. And I'm remembering this now. I told, I informed, I said, I said, you were the baddest there ever was. Hmm. And, uh, and you know what he said? What? He said, I know. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He did not lack for confidence. He was really good. I feel in terms of like single transcendent seasons, I feel like his is uh, maybe, I don't know how you do it, but now that would have actually been kind of a sweet spot for you, for your, cause this is like, yeah, I remember J.R. Richard. Well, I mean, you know, when, when there was so much, uh, uh, hype about Richard and, and Nolan Ryan being on the same team and and boy they were fierce but it didn't last very long. No, it didn't. No, but this is this is now unlike William McCovey. Now we're talking about being there, right? Mm-hmm. Being there and and experiencing something on a first hand, you know, something like a first hand ba- basis. You saw McCovey, but you saw a version of McCovey who, while he might have at some level resembled his former self, he was not at the height of his. He was not at his correct at his peak. Correct. It, it's very similar to, because I think I'm right about 10 years younger than you. I saw my real, the real way in which I understood Dave Parker uh, uh, was with mm, the A's. 
Okay. And I just thought he was like an older guy who DH'd. I did not fully understand. Oh, yeah. And the, I wouldn't for a while what Dave Parker was. Yeah, yeah. Um, or oh, had yeah, been. That, 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 the, the all-star game, uh, the throw in the all-star game and, and uh, his role on the uh, the 79 Pirates, who had another one of those uh, uh, kind of bridge guys um, uh, in terms of power hitting royalty, Willie Stargell, um, who was one of my one of my all time favorites and maybe a little bit more. Not, can I? Can I, not, can I? I'm sorry. Go on. Well, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. But can I ex- express to you something uh, about which? Uh, well, I didn't know. I felt guilty till just now. Is can you tell me, like in my head, I'm if I want to organize the differences between Willie Stargell and Willie McCovey? They seem to have some superficial similarities. Both oh, well, they were. Of, they were. Yeah, they were like both. Power hitting beasts who uh, enjoyed uh, a late career renaissance, you know, and they and they were adjacent. I think they all they both spent uh, uh, some time in the shadow of even greater teammates. I mean, uh, McCovey with with Mays and Stargell with Clemente. Um, oh yeah, right. Okay, yeah. You know, Stargell. Yeah, was, and they were they, Stargell was on the seventy one, uh, the seventy one champions. You know, and then had to uh, bear the weight of of being. Uh, you know, you know, once once Clemente died, of kind of becoming the de facto team leader, and uh, um, he had that uh, that uh, maybe not so well deserved MVP award in 1979 when he helped uh, the Pirates win a, win win a championship, and that was kind of his last. Well, it wasn't really his last, uh, more or less his last gasp of greatness. He was he was 39 years old, and I think memory serves he was the. MVP in the regular season or co-MVP with Keith Hernandez and also the MVP in the NLCS and the World Series as well, which I think is... As a 39-year-old? As a 39-year-old. Five home runs in the postseason, three of them in the World Series, 400-plus batting averages in both uh, uh, in both of those series. I mean, he just, you know, he was uh, everything at that point. And uh, uh, so, you know, whereas McCovey, I think, was kind of... Tr- on going nowhere teams late in his career. Stargell at least got to play on winners uh, or one winner, the, uh, the, the 79 team. But uh, you know, Stargell yeah. was, you know, they're they both, uh, uh, both left-handed sluggers with, I think what you, what today we would call light tower power. Light um, tower power. You know, I mean, in both, uh, you know, I remember st- what I remember about Stargell is that it seemed like half the ballparks in the league had a, had a, had a seat uh, about 500 feet from home plate that was painted uh, yellow in his honor because he hit one there. Do you know uh, that in both players now very similar, very similar uh, dates in terms of playing careers, and they both finished with batting lines that were forty five percent better than league average. Yeah, that's about right. I think. Um, yeah. yeah, when I uh, when I was talk when I was uh, putting that together, I noted the, the who they were tied with uh, on the uh, the weighted runs created plus uh, all time list. It's like yeah, Stargell and uh, is it Jim Tomey? Was the other yeah Stargell and oh, Jim Tomey Stargell and I mean like in like yeah that's okay those so you know we saw Jim Tomey we you know you can you could sort of get a sense I mean yeah William McCovey calling William McCovey the Jim Tomey of his day that's that's about right that's an interest oh that that's very helpful I appreciate yeah. that JJ. and but yeah but Leah and yeah, there's another 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 bit of bit that really works is that Frank Thomas hit 521 home runs and he's tied with McCovey and Ted Williams and Frank Thomas was. If you if you could crossbreed William McCovey and Ted Williams, you would probably get Frank Thomas. I mean, it's like you know the wait. The, wait say, right, say it again. I have I have William McCovey and Ted Williams, and and Frank Thomas is is tied with Frank them. Thomas in home, is there is tied is with them. Progeny in home, somehow. Yeah, is tied with them in home runs, and you you know you think of Frank Thomas's precision in in carving up the strike zone and you know drawing 120 walks a year or whatever it was, and uh, 
also hitting for monster power, and uh, it does kind of fit that he. Yeah, I'm willing to accept that. I like that. Uh, I like the sort of uh, the uh, alchemical. Yeah. Um, uh, way of of looking at it. Um, right. Now this happens in literature a lot. You say, "Oh, the bastard son of mm-hmm. uh, Richard Ford and Susan Ton- Sontag, <laughs> or something like that." I don't know what that is. Right. I don't know what book that is, but but you see this a lot uh, because um, I don't know blurbs are meaningless ultimately. So I guess you could say whatever you want. Hmm. Them. But yeah, that happens. Doing it for baseball players is always handy. I know that. Uh, there are a couple. I mean, there's always ways to to look at comparables. That happens a lot when we release the zips projections. Uh huh. When we release the zips projections, uh, there's always. Well, Zimborski has like you know he'll include like a he has a list of people who who serve as the um, the comparables you know historical comparables. But right. then we usually include the top the top name or top three names something like that. It's always you know for Mike Trout it's always Mickey Mantle. Which by the way, <clears throat> topic of autographs, I have Mickey Mantles somewhere. And uh, one of my mom's boyfriends gave it to me. Oh, wow. That's pretty good, right? Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know if it was uh, Rick or Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, or, are you trying uh, to say your mom had a lot of boyfriends? <laughs> it sounds like you're saying it. I don't know why you're, why you're attempting to shame my mother. She was a single woman. She'd been born in a time when, you know, you're supposed to get married and that was it. And then she found herself single all of a sudden. Why, sir? I'm not, Why are I'm, you shaming I'm, my I'm mother? Casting, you're the one who was reeling off multiple names. Right? Yeah, just reeling names. Yeah, with no judgment whatsoever. Yeah. And then Jay Jaffe stepped yeah. up with his better than thou. Anyway, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I don't think anyone should be too worried. I knew a kid. So I was a base, getting back to the baseball card angle of this. I knew a kid mm-hmm. who had uh, what, that 50, 1951 mantle who was my age or a year older than me. And it uh-huh. was like clearly not his money. That bought that card. It was, you know, wealthy kid with the last name of Romney. Now that I think about it, and I'm sure as I'm sure as God made little green apples, I'm sure he is somehow related to Mitt Romney. Um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound like a stretch, buddy. No, it's Unless, it's, it's almost I mean, I certainly know. related. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google the, the I'm not gonna give his first name, but I'm gonna Google the hell out of this later. But you know, we were me and and uh, a friend of mine who you know routinely would get together to to, to trade baseball and football cards. One day, I think somehow uh, we went over to this kid's house. I, can't, I he didn't go to this. I don't think he went to the same school, but uh, uh, somehow my friend knew him, and and uh, uh, he was showing off this this uh, you know rare as hell Mickey Mantle, and and we were ooing and aahing over it. And I was like, now, did know. you ever have a the Conseco rated rookie? No, I I was out of I was out of I was out of collecting by by the you're point. out of the game. I was by out then. of the, I was out of like I think the last set that I had was eighty two. Uh, I you know I would for a couple of years there I was buying complete sets eighty two maybe eighty three, but I got out of I got out of it just before the the flood that kind of devalued everything you know the speculative yes. bubble years the eighty seven tops yeah I, I went I think it was actually that same fan fan fest where I saw J.R. Richard. I was a, big, a bit nostalgic, but th- like there's still 87 top st- sets, unopened, whatever, everywhere. Yeah. You could get one for like $3 now. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's like, I don't know, that's like a bunch of cardboard. I mean, could you buy, <laughs> it's, it, they're like almost literally selling it for the, for the actual price of, yeah, I've, of the material. You go to, there's a, um, uh, there's a, a Brooklyn called Brooklyn Flea, uh, which is a flea market that, uh, um, you know that that recurs every week throughout the summer and in various spots uh, in Brooklyn. And uh, uh, there's a guy there who has boxes of old baseball cards 
including you know the, the unopened packs and including uh, uh, whatever it is the I think it's the Donruss uh, the year with the Billy Ripken base uh, uh card oh real and pleasure. uh which emma eventually bought me one for as a birthday present uh that is you know what that's a great gift yeah it, it is yeah. but anyway but like i before 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 she did that you know there were like once in a while we would we would go to brooklyn flea and we just kind of browse around and get some food because they had like cool food stands there and and uh you know maybe i think for you know for a, a buck a pack or something like that i would i would i would grab uh uh, a couple of uh, uh, these packs and, and uh, uh, open them up on the way home just for giggles and see what see what came out. But uh, never never the Billy Ripken in that in that regard. But the guy said, yeah, you know, I'll, I've got tons of these. I'll you know happy to uh, you know just he gave me his card and said uh, next time you're coming. And I never did uh, get him to bring all of his Donruss uh, packs because I probably could have bought a whole box off of him for uh, uh, quite but a I, discount. Now- I, I don't. I don't think this is the point to make. But I just wanted to make sure that we are accurate here. It was the Billy. The Billy Ripken card was a Fleer card. Fleer. Actually. Sorry, Fleer. Not. I knew. Yeah. I knew it wasn't tops. I. I couldn't remember whether it was yeah. uh, Fleer or. Yeah. Donors. I just. Uh, I just want to be. I want to yeah. be entirely accurate here. Yeah. Um, no, that was. A, that was a lot of fun. I would. I would. Uh, I would. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind that. That's, that was. That was uh, one of the most. Yeah. That was one of the biggest cards. I guess when I was collecting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought. I thought it always made sense to. Uh, something to earning it i think right to earn like you mentioned the the kid had a mantle card and you're like come on yeah it's not like he had it's not like he was buying packs it's not like he was buying packs and that suddenly popped out i mean he just you know that even then that card was worth thousands of dollars and uh come on romney kid yeah 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 i'm gonna look i'm gonna google the hell out of that guy that guy better watch out he's about to get googled yeah let me uh let me i don't want to uh to take all of your time uh jay jaffe but before you fulfill your obligation. I will ask you to provide, I guess, uh, a calendar of sorts for some off-season events that are particularly relevant to Jay Jaffe's. I guess you were kind of—I uh, don't know if you've created a cottage industry because I don't really know what a cottage ah, industry yes, is. Ah, yes, right. But, but you the, have a the, beat. You have a yes, beat. Yes, my beat. Jay. My beat. Okay, hang on one second. Let me just get the get the email up here because I have the, all the dates in the email. But uh, yeah, Hall of Fame season uh, is uh, about to get underway on. Uh, November fifth, uh, which, as we speak, is this coming Monday. Uh, oh, is... yeah, this is very possible that this podcast will not be published by then. Yes, yeah. exactly. I've, I, <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'm, I'm just just to put a pin down. But November fifth uh, will be the announcement of the today's game ballot, which is the uh, uh, the uh, small committee process that will have players uh, whose careers, uh, the largest uh, aspect of impact of their careers, took place after I think it's 1987 is the cutoff. This is uh, uh, Mark, it'll be Mark McGuire and the Seven Dwarfs, basically, uh, or Nine Dwarfs in this case. Uh, probably... now, are you going to be providing content to? compliment these, oh uh, yes i oh events. yes indeed i will jay jaffe's got content yes yes indeed i will i will be rolling now, out what a lot of people don't know is you have a uh you have a um a tattoo on your right <laughs> bicep which just it says hashtag content no i do not i have no tattoos no. Okay. <laughs> do you know do you not do, you must you, be confusing me come, with somebody else no i i thought it was did um you don't seem very comfortable with me spreading uh spreading falsities about you yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's, there's there's so many there's so many falsities on the internet. I I, I don't feel the need to to crowd it with okay. more. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, so anyway, the today's game ballot will be announced on November fifth, and the results for that will be announced on December 9th, which is the Sunday at the head of the uh, baseball winter meetings in Las Vegas, which ah, I, I right. will be attending, uh, yeah. and I believe you will be as well. 
I will be in attendance at the at the Mandalay Bay. At the Mandalay Bay with the shark tunnel, yeah. uh, which which uh, my wife uh, Emma Span is very excited about. She wanted us. What to, are you talking about a shark tunnel? She wanted to get married in the shark tunnel at Mandalay Bay. So what what are you talking about? There's a shark tunnel. There is a shark tunnel. Uh, this, well, you're there, and you. This is no motel. This is no Motel Six, Carson. You, <laughs> this is this. We are not staying in a Motel Six. What are you saying? This I can walk in a place and I see sharks. Yes. Yes. This of, seems, of, you know, that seems dangerous. It does seem dangerous. It does seem yeah. dangerous, especially if, you know, if you uh, maybe uh, uh, get a little drunk and, and uh, crash into the glass and suddenly you're, you're, you're shark food. Well, you know, just a brief uh, examination of Twitter.com here does appear to reveal some sort of reception occurring in inside the shark tunnel. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get on down for that. <laughs> I will. I will. I will pass that news along because, uh, uh, like I said, Emma will be very excited. Getting back to the matter at hand with regards to the the Hall yes. of Fame stuff, uh, the BBWAA ballot will be announced on November nineteenth. Uh, that okay. is the Monday before Thanksgiving, and then the results for that will be uh, announced on January twenty second, which means that the first three weeks of January are just utterly utterly useless there's no baseball going on then and so uh but the ballots will have been uh i think the deadline to submit them is generally uh december 31st so there's a lot of uh, there'll be a lot of hand wringing and a lot of speculation about what the results are going to be uh but three weeks plus before the big reveal so those of us who are going to be sweating out the uh uh, final edgar martinez's final year on the ballot have uh have got uh uh, a long wait ahead of us here to uh, to to get the official word. Now, are you in the business at all of handicapping any of the? Uh... I you know I I I tend to I, I obviously I I keep a very close eye on the uh, the ballot tracking that uh, uh, that Ryan Thibodeau does and uh, yeoman's work. I make he, yeah he I, I I make reference to it. I don't really get, and, and I, you know, and I talk about, you know, within my series, you know, which players are deserving and what, what their previous voting pattern says about their, about their possibilities. You know, I'll be like, well, you know, five out of seven guys who got to 70% in the year five, in their fifth year on the ballot went in on their sixth year or something like that. But I don't really get into, you know, I, I don't worry too much about like, uh, um, the projections, like my projections say that A, B, and C will get in, you know, until like right before I will, you know, I, I, when I, you know, on election eve or whatever, 48 hours out, I'll say, yeah, I think there's, you know, this is, this is what we're going to find out on, on, you know, on, on, uh, uh, Wednesday here. It's, we're going to hear the names of either three or four guys and it's going to be this, this, and this. Uh, but there are other people who are much more devoted to the art of actual prediction. Who's going to get in? My 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 job is to tell you who should get in. You know, with with an eye towards who probably will get in, but yeah. but uh, I'm not in the business of you know. You can bet on this. And don't, that's not who you are. That's not who I am. I'm not. That's not who you are. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't suggest gambling on my uh, on my advice. You can use it to inform well, your your analysis, but uh, um, I make no warranty as to whether it's uh, good enough for Vegas. Right. But it, uh, you can guarantee that you have a uh, that you have a tattoo that says hashtag content on your right bicep. It's uh, actually it's a it's it's a hash it's a, a if I were to get a tattoo it, it would be of the uh, uh, the Jaws shark. <laughs> would it, would it really? <laughs> I think about that. <laughs> I don't. I don't a, think. Are you a big Jaws? Like, are you a shark fan? I make a lot of Jaws jokes. Let's put it that way. Okay. Oh well, of because course. Of the, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, for obvious reasons. 
hey, uh, you have a f- uh, fulfilled your obligation to the program now, Jay Jaffe. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah, so I'll say thank you, Jay. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I will say this. I'll say that is uh, senior writer of Fangraphs and progenitor of the, the Jaws Hall of Fame projection system. What do you think? Jaws Hall of Fame projection it's system? It's the Jaws Hall of Fame uh, something system, yeah. I, 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 yeah it's a, it's some it's sort a, it's of system. It's a system. I got a system, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. 